Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. Robert, along with Sports Radio 610, Sean Bajani. And if you're new to this show, welcome to the party. 45 years in journalism between the two of us, over 35 covering sports in the Houston area. And hey, we're sticking with the defending champion Astros in this one, recording right after opening night. Sean, it's been since September since we saw this bullpen struggle, but better now than October and November. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's uh, you never know what you're going to get on opening day. It was a really, really good start that um, in my book should have counted as a quality start for Framber Valdez. Hector Neris looked pretty good tonight, made a little magic happen, got out of a tough situation. But unfortunately, you know, guys like Montero and Presley that are going to come up big time, as you know, they will have plenty of opportunities to do so through 161 more of these things plus into a potential postseason. They're going to have their opportunities, but they're also going to have their struggles. It's going to be the ebb and flow. Unfortunately, man, you just couldn't get that done tonight. As as many good plays, heads-up plays as the Astros made uh, for me defensively, a number of them came at third base and in and around that area tonight. Just the offense, they couldn't get anything going against Dylan Cease, man. That guy's just fantastic, isn't he? Dylan Cease was amazing. Uh, there's some big-picture stuff that I definitely want to get into with you yeah. because by the time some people listen to this, it could be – you know, three, four games into the season. But uh, I just want to remind everybody real quickly to subscribe and comment on YouTube. If you're watching, not listening, but you want to hear us while you're driving, shopping, or working out, listen on the run by subscribing on your favorite podcast app. And let's just start off before opening pitch, Sean. Mark Wahlberg made a bunch of friends in Houston when he wished his favorite Yankee killer happy birthday. Yeah, that was cool, wasn't it? (laughs) I mean, Bregman probably wasn't expecting that, just like everybody else in the building. I know I wasn't, but uh, it was cool. I mean, it was, throw a little flair, give us something to talk about. Everybody that did anything pregame today kind of gave us something to talk about, and we'll get to <laughs> what the hell's her name? The Megan rapper. Stallion? Yeah, there you go. The rapper chick that threw out the first pitch that looked like uh, she thought home plate was towards second base before somebody probably told her to turn around, though. She was probably just giving us a little something extra to look at, too, before. The yeah, first she knew what she was doing. She was showing us that there there are bigger bases this year in baseball. And, and for yeah. sure, I think everybody noticed that uh, when she was uh, taking her pictures out on the mound, making her way out to the mound. She was doing her thing. But, you know, I just get a little bit frustrated sometimes with Dusty. Still, it's the same argument with with Dusty. It's like you, you don't have Altuve in the lineup. You need some offense, and he and he did go with John. And we're going to talk about the roster stuff because you and I have some crow to eat after what we said on Monday. But uh, one of the things that just I noticed was like I, I felt like I was back to watching Astros baseball from the '90s with those baseball caps that looked like they could have been in the early '90s. It looked like the lineup too because it was Brad Ausmus, Adam Everett, and the pitcher. <laughs> yeah. Um... You know, Jake Myers in center field, whereas Chaz, you know, you kind of wish he would have been out there today. Yeah, you know. can I can I just say something about that? Because that's the thing that, that really ticked me off about what Dusty did. Just no respect to, for Chaz McCormick. The guy started every playoff game in center field on the way to a championship, makes all these big plays along the way, and still doesn't get the opening day start that he rightfully earned. No idea what Dusty... Uh, you know, has so much respect for Jake because his supposed calling card defense, Sean, looked like garbage when he half-assed, you know, that single to center field, letting the Sox 
runner go from first to third? There's an ebb and flow that goes from really spring training into the regular season, into the postseason, World Series, whatever, right? I don't care what kind of spring a guy had, if it was hot, you know, if it was not. It's opening day. Go with the very best lineup that you can put out there. And two of the guys that, in my opinion, were best suited to start opening day at some key positions with Altuve out in center field, which we've spent so much time talking about during an offseason, weren't out there. Put Jazz in center field. Where's David Hensley for second base? Yeah, I, we both have to eat a little bit of crow in terms of our roster decision-making and things like that. But you know what? I'm proud that I at least got one of the dang three guys that I said should have made the roster in John Air Diaz. Unfortunately, and you know what? This is a good thing for him ultimately. But he came up in some really big spots tonight, um, an opportunity to make something happen, come up with a clutch hit, have a really good at bat, extend you know, a plate appearance, get on base. And he just couldn't do it, you know, but I can't necessarily fault him because whoever the the White Sox were throwing tonight, they couldn't read a darn thing off the mound. You know, I mean, Dylan Cease, what did he have? Like seven strikeouts through three innings, eight through five or four, whatever it was. I mean, he was just dealing. It was phenomenal. He was robotic. It didn't matter if it was off speed, if it was like a filthy 97 mile per hour fastball, you know, with a little tail on it. There was the same release point, the same action off the mound. I mean, it was a really difficult pickup. But, you know, John Air, you know, seeing this action tonight in some big spots, it'll benefit him, hopefully, uh, much sooner than later down the road. But, yeah, Dusty, I don't think he tried his best line up there, um, you know, tonight. Now, hey, going from Fromber to Abreu to Neris to Montero to Presley, I mean, that's textbook, man. It was a beautiful thing. Unfortunately, you know, a couple of those guys didn't execute, but the hitting yeah. situation has got to improve. Yeah, you, you, you talk about his best lineup. Here, here's the thing. The Mauricio Dubon, I'll give him all day long because you got Fromber on the mound, ground ball pitcher. You know, Dusty always defers to defense. Dubon's a better defensive player than David Hensley at second base. He spent a lot more time there. He's, you know, got the range and all of that sort of stuff. And he made the huge play, the, the, the great throw to third base to nail the runner and, and it looked like save the game for the Astros. But Jake, My again, I just want to go back to Jake Myers, Jake Myers. Is he really better defensively? And why do you want a defensive center fielder out there with Framber Valdez on the bound? Framber Valdez is a ground ball pitcher. You don't need a defensive center fielder out there. You need your best hitter out there without Jose Altuve. And that's Chaz McCormick. Nine times out of 10. That's what we've seen from Chaz McCormick over the last. He's earned that spot. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is baseball, right? I mean, everybody's got their own ways that they would, you know, do things potentially. And, you know, they know more than we know. Okay. So to a certain extent, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. But you can't tell me that, okay, well, just because Dubon's got a little bit more range, like he's the best option at second base. Like it's opening day. You put the very best dudes out there. Well, I get it. He's got a larger sample size than David Hensley, but not at second base. I mean, who does have a really great sample size at second base? I mean, next to nobody because Altuve's been a dude out there and he's never been hurt like this, you know, with these two guys up with the big club. So I'll grant him that, I guess. But you telling me David Hensley's not capable of playing Major League second base? He's, a, you know, he's on a World Series winning team for opening day for crying out loud like he knows how to play second base just like Trey Mancini last year he's in the bigs and he's played the outfield before for a major league ball club 
he knows how to catch fly balls. So don't give me this crap about like, I need a fly ball specialist. I need a ground ball specialist. I need a guy with like a millimeter more range. You don't anticipate like all of these great plays needing to be made when you have a really good pitcher on the mound. You got a really good pitcher on the mound. You should be expecting a lot of routine type of plays, which were made tonight, which David Hensley could have made. And I'd like to see him at the plate much more than I would Dubon. I'd like to see Chaz McCormick at the plate much more than I'd like to see Jake Myers on opening day. Get the crowd riled up. Like, show the highlight of Marisnik's great catch, you know, in the series. Like, get fans pumped up. Keep the buzz going. Not have a gigantic popcorn fart of freaking Dubon and Myers and Maldonado. Like, yeah, I think like, you said Marisnik, and I know you meant McCormick. There's a lot of M's out there. Yeah, you know what I mean. God bless. Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, you, you and I, we only got one of the players right of the three open non-roster spots, non-pitcher roster spots, I should say. Uh, nobody had Cesar Salazar on their bingo yeah. card. Not you, not me, not anybody. What did you make of that? What did you make of having the two catchers and, and have a genre? What do you think? I mean, cool, you know, like I can imagine that conversation, you know, one minute like Dusty and Dana Brown in the manager's office, like, hey, big cat, you're going to make the opening day squad, man. How pumped up are you? Oh, this is great. You know, dream fulfilled. And then like five minutes later, Dana Brown's answering questions like, so why Cesar Salazar, you know, and Yonar Diaz? And what about Corey Lee? Well, Corey Lee, he's great. He needs at-bats every day. And we just feel like Cesar Saladar, you know, he fits this role better up here because, well, he's not that great. <laughs> he doesn't need a lot of at-bats. You could have given those at-bats to Yonar Diaz, you know, playing catcher, and worked him in at DH as well. I mean, you've got plenty of wiggle room, unfortunately, with a couple of guys, you know, uh, banged up. The maneuverability that you have between the outfield and first base and DH, I mean, you could have easily made that happen. I mean, good for Salazar. I mean, I'm all about seeing as much as possible, like what this system has. To be honest with you, prior to a couple of weeks ago, I didn't even pay attention to who the hell Cesar Salazar was. I want to see him play as much as we possibly can uh, at this time for however long he's going to be up. Well, they made it a thing where they liked his defense, but the irony is if you look at his offensive numbers in the minor leagues, they are better than Corey Lee. Look, you can say Corey Lee needs at-bats. I don't think there's going to be any number of at-bats that's going to make this guy a good offensive player. I'm just going to say that straight up. I, I, I haven't seen it in the minor league numbers. You know, you, you, should, you should think that, or you would think that you would see that in his minor league numbers, Sean, at this point. Mm -hmm. I, I believe that Salazar is a guy that they want to just bring up. They're going to give him a little bit of time. They're hoping Corey Lee's going to get a little bit further along defensively, that maybe they can improve his offense a little bit. But my guess is they want to keep Corey Lee with a longer uh, leash on the whole how much they got to pay him six and seven years from now because they yeah. know he's the future, quote-unquote, starting defensive catcher that they like to have in this organization, and they love defense at that particular position. So they think he's a good defensive catcher. I, I didn't really see it last year. I get it. He's a rookie. He was nervous. He only got a few weeks to show his stuff. But I didn't see anything spectacular from him defensively. I didn't even see much that was average. So the fact that this guy is, without a doubt, the future catcher, I don't know that. And I think we've assumed it because he's a first-round pick. But I don't see this Salazar 
move is frankly all that bad because Salazar might end up being a better player down the road, to be honest with you. Yeah. You never know like what guys are really looking for, what scouts, what GMs, coaches are really looking for when they talk about like defensive, you know, catchers. And what I mean by that is defense is such, you know, it can be used as a general term, right? Is, are they really more talking about like how he develops his relationship with the pitchers and calling a game and, and things like that? And you're not going to see that really any great degree when a guy's got an opportunity every four or five days up at the big club, right? I mean, you're really focusing on, man, those two or three at-bats that he gets and those opportunities. And, okay, well, are there any pass balls? We're not talking a lot about, like, the game that's being called because, well, is a pitcher calling it? You know, is the catcher really calling it? Like, how does this dynamic work? Well, speaking of the calling of the game, one thing that you heard a little bit of, and Mm -hmm. I don't know if this is just whispers or if this is coming from Dusty himself, but he is bilingual, Salazar, and Corey Lee is not. And when you look yeah. at this Astros staff, yeah. you've got Fromber, you've got Christian Javier, you have Arquiti, Garcia, Montero, Neris, down, Abreu, down the line. It is a predominantly Hispanic staff. It is. And I don't know how much Corey Lee's really trying to brush up on his Spanish. I know Alex Bregman didn't know a lick, you know, when he came into the league, maybe a little bit here and there, but... That's something that's well documented that, you know, Bregman particularly wanted to have a relationship with his guys and pitchers especially. And he learned how to speak really good Spanish. And so I don't know if that's something Corey Lee's trying to work on. He probably should, you know, Um, being a professional baseball player, you're around all kinds of different cultures and more times than not Hispanic culture. So picking up a little bit here and there, the language probably isn't that difficult, as difficult at least on him as it would be for you or I, because, well, we don't have to, and I don't know about you, but I don't really have the motivation to learn much of anything, especially a foreign language these days. (laughs) So that's that. You know what I was just thinking about, like, as we're talking about like Corey Lee and things like that and what an organization wants and development, there's only so much you can do in other respective sports, right? Like, and I think of football immediately. And you have to really go to the lower levels, like middle school to high school. You know, a lot of middle schools use the same lingo, use the same schemes, you know, from a football sense and even really a baseball sense, too, if you're in a really good program where you can kind of develop young players and have them ready by the time they're freshman JV varsity, right? In baseball, they're drafted out of high school and you get in their system. And for the what is asked of them, developing relationships with guys that are, boom, in and out, moving organizations, moving up and down, you're all over the place. It's really difficult sometimes to create some continuity, camaraderie with guys and really get a flow and show what you can do consistently because personnel is so few and far between not consistent in baseball. And I understand it's like that in some sports, but really this is why I'm excited about Yonar Diaz is because he's getting that opportunity and he's earned it. You know, Corey Lee, I think they want to send him down, give him those bats. Let's see what he looks like. Maybe tweak some things behind the plate, tweak some things at the plate. He'll get an opportunity to come up and I think a much better sample size this year with the Astros than it was last year. And then and only then, I think, am I going to be ready to make a fair assertion on where this guy's at? I was reading a prediction of Corey Lee's, you know, progression, you know, as a ball player the other day. I can't remember what publication. It was probably like CBS Sports or something like that or MLB. But there was projections of him being, you know, a 20 plus home run guy one day at the big league level. 
I'm like you. I mean, I don't see that yet, but I also don't have that trained eye at these lower levels to see what you're supposed to be looking for, so to speak, right? I need to see more of Corey Lee. Just like I want to see more of Yonar Diaz. I feel like we've seen a pretty good sample size, and he's impressed me. But now it's all about can you do it at the big club, or is he going to be a quad A player like we've seen so much at the catching position for the Astros over the years? Yeah, and I, I see him maybe on the modern-day roster as being the third catcher who can also play first base and left field. Maybe they just don't believe in him enough to be a behind-the-plate guy. That's what I'm interested to see. I didn't want to get too much into the nuts and bolts of this game because, you know, whenever somebody listens to this, it might be two or three days later. But just want to get your opinion on this. Maldonado comes up, gets a single, and then up comes Dubon. There's nobody out. Pena and Jordan are coming up next. You have uh, nobody out at that time, right? So do you bunt Dubon there? I mean, if you're going to leave Dubon in the game, if you're not bringing in David Hensley right there, then you have to butt him. Dubon is not going to do anything likely except hit into a double play. He's not somebody that gets base hits. And they said on the broadcast that Dusty thinks he can get more out of him. Why? This guy, there's no evidence, nothing that I've seen watching him or that I've seen on paper that suggests that this guy's ever going to become a better hitter. It's just like that. that I just felt like you had to butt him there. The problem was you have a slow-footed Martin Maldonado, so it might have been tough to – Get him yeah. the second base right you there. Pinch, you got to pinch run in that situation if you're gonna if you're gonna try to play some small ball or, or even if you're gonna let him hit away, you need a pinch run there to give yourself an opportunity to where you might be able to break up a double play. You might be able to get a stolen bag because I keep hearing people say you're three inches closer to the bag. I mean, aren't you really six inches closer to the bag in this instance if all bags are three inches larger? Well, I think they're three inches larger, maybe, but it's one and a half inch on each side, so. One and a half inch. Oh, okay, okay, one and a half okay. inch is three. Right. So. Okay, so it's not exactly like an extra large pizza box at like New York Pizzeria big, um, but an inch and a quarter, all right, inch and a half or whatever. I, I can roll with that. Nevertheless, like, I mean, Hensley's a good runner. Like, I think you got a pinch run there in any instance, whatever you're going to ask Dubon to do. It just uh, significantly increases your chances of putting that runner in scoring position. And you've got the ability to do it. You can finagle something around. You can move, uh, you know, Salazar, he can catch. You can move Yonair to catcher, you know, whatever the case may be. You have Cesar be the DH, and you can move Hensley to DH. You could get creative there. There's a lot of things. Can can you move Yonair to to catcher if he's already at DH? Don't you have to pretty much make the pitcher hit at that point? I, 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 I might be screwed up with the rule changes. The other thing I was going to ask you, this is something that's really confusing to me. Remember the Astros, they used to open the roof in the seventh inning back at, when they opened the stadium and when, on, a, mm-hmm. on cooler days. And I was under the belief that Major League Baseball changed the rules and said you cannot open or close a roof during a game because it, it's somehow an advantage for whichever team's the home team. They can change the conditions on the field or such and such. I remember that. But, yeah. So I thought this is the type of game that would have been an open air game. And if it was like a, I don't know, it was like a 30% chance of rain or something like that. And then you could close the roof if something happened. Instead, the Astros left the roof uh, closed for this game. Meanwhile, I was watching the Rangers game today and the Rangers closed the roof in the middle of the game when it started raining. So I, 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 I guess I totally thought that that rule was changed, but I mm-hmm. guess it wasn't changed, right? 
Uh, well, I don't know that it wasn't changed. I think you had it right. Like it, it would be one thing if you started with it closed and then wanted it open versus starting with it open and then closing it given weather conditions. If okay. If it starts okay. raining or if it gets too hot, you know, then you could close it potentially. There has to be a reason there. And I, 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 I do know that you're correct. I just don't know if that was a rule that was kind of carried over because you know how like baseball and the NFLs and Tories for doing this, they'll make a rule one year and then not follow up with it the following year. It'll just be like, Oh, this was just for this year. And then, you know, who knows, maybe one side or another bargain for, um, you know, to just kind of be up to the team's discretion. So I, mean, I, we, I don't we know. I'll agree that that ballpark is prettier with the roof open. I mean, it's just a much oh, no better question. Experience. No question, but you know what? Like, I mean, you know, the Astros have said it before. Like, you know, they like it closed. They like the environment. They like how loud it gets in there. And, you know, with them doing a much better job on unveiling their championship flag uh, this year than they did in the uh, for the start of the 2018 season for the 17 championship, you know, they actually built an apparatus there to where they had just a – it was like blacked out, and they just had to rip it off instead of hoping that this giant tarp falls over this very sharp – pointed flag correctly so much better job there but maybe they were just thinking like you know this is just going to play better for the day people are going to be extra juice there's going to be a buzz it's going to be loud you know you get the kind of ambiance the fireworks and the smoke hovering over the field i don't know for some reason i think they like that i actually hate it um if you're gonna do fireworks open the roof if you have that capability but also too maybe the rangers you know they're new to having a retractable roof maybe they just screwed the pooch a little bit today and we're like don't Maybe they get a phone call from Major League Baseball afterwards, like, hey, you got to keep that sucker open or closed, whatever you started with, buddies. Yeah, I, I haven't heard anything about that. And as far as I'm concerned, uh, I, I, I've watched the Astros for the last few years. The roof is open most of the time in April. They're not that yeah, concerned yeah. about home field advantage that the roof being closed and we got to keep the noise in, in April. It's typically not going to be crazy in April. I know it's opening day and that's different. Um, just one last thing. Uh, we... we uh, we're very concerned that, you know, we're going to miss these Justin Verlander innings. Uh, we're not going to miss as many Justin Verlander innings as we thought we were going to miss because uh, he is already on the injured list. Yeah, that's that's rough, man. I don't, I don't want to boast too much about that, <laughs> you know, because unfortunately, you know, the Astros, uh, you know, they've had their own issues with the starting rotation and people are already kind of letting those nerves settle in. We talked about this the other day, right? Like, you know, maybe one of those things flying under the radar is there is no Justin Verlander here to kind of make us feel really good about no Lance McCullers to start the season. Now that there's no JV and no Lance, you know, there's maybe a little extra pressure on Fromber, maybe a little extra pressure on everybody in that rotation. And maybe rightfully so, because a lot of those guys are coming off of, uh, you know, some breakout career years. And don't forget that Justin Verlander last year pitched an entire year into November after not pitching for two years. And yeah. he's 40 years old now. So it might have been a blessing in disguise that you didn't end up paying Justin Verlander. Maybe. I feel like that's one of those conversations, though, Robert, it's going to go back and forth. You know, like we were there at the end of the season when we heard reports of the numbers. Well, hey, JV could command, you know, an upwards of $50 million. And it was 45 and it would be end up settling on like 43 or whatever it was. Highest paid pitcher in baseball or at least tied for as such. And then. Now we're having this, well, maybe it's a good thing that we didn't do that. When JV comes back and he starts throwing gas and looking like JV, you know, usually looks um, unhittable at times, we're probably going to be saying the same thing. If 
Lance is not back or if there's another issue, it's like, oh, how nice would it be to have JV? It's going to be back and forth, man. It's going to be a ping pong thing. But I do know this. They ain't got their stud closer up in New York. So that's going to be something to kind of keep an eye on. And he's not the only geezer up there that's going to be asked to throw 99 mile per hour gas every fifth day. <laughs> you know, they get two old guys up there that they're going to have to trust. Uh, to anchor that starting staff. So um, let's not give the New York Mets the NL championship just yet. And the Astros themselves have a long way to go. I think I think you and I really need to do a good job this season, Robert, of kind of tamping down the exuberance, the expectation, and being as realistic as we possibly can with this ball club because there's a lot of opportunity for things that we've not seen individuals do before on this team that they're asked to do right Kyle Tucker's coming off of back-to-back 30 home run seasons you know and we're already talking about this guy maybe being a 30-30 and another hundy kind of a guy you know what about Fromber what about Christian Javier what about Ryan Presley just mark him down for 30 plus saves let's just see this thing play out a little bit okay and, and see what we got cooking by you know, the all-star break and ahead of the trade deadline and see what Dana Brown can cook up potentially too. Hopefully we'll have a couple more wins to talk about for our show on Monday. We are also uh, going to take a break in this one where we'll wait to talk a little bit more Texans. I, I just feel like it's just mind games now that we're talking about between the Texans and Carolina Panthers between now and the draft. So I don't know what there is to talk about, uh, but maybe there'll be something that'll come up in the Rockets. We got Rockets Chop Shops. Frank, uh, if you missed it, did a big show with him, 45 minutes. So go check that out in the last one. But uh, we'll talk to you guys again on Monday. And until then, go Strohs. Go Strohs. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, don't forget to support us by subscribing and commenting on YouTube. You can always listen to us on Spotify, Apple, or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends about us and share our show links on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.